Hey everyone, Evan here, co-host of Locked On Cavs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. On today's episode, I'm joined by good friend of the show, Brittany Mollis of Blue Wire's That's a B-Said podcast. Today, Brittany and I discuss the Cavs lottery results, the team's future, and we also dab a little bit on the Browns almost being back. Thank you again for listening, and today's episode of Locked On Cavs is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. You are Locked On Cavaliers. Your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. My, my, my. This calls the Kevin Love Show. Brittany, how are you today? I am great, Evan. How are you? I'm not too bad. Actually, for those of you, or this is an audio podcast, not a video one. Brittany showed me that she uh, is drinking pumpkin spice at seven o'clock at night. So before we really get going, tell me again why you're drinking coffee so late, because bless your heart if you're going to stay up all night. I'd say a couple years ago, caffeine just stopped having any kind of effect on me at all. Like now I just drink it to keep me literally just awake and alert. So I could drink, this is a venti, you see that? This is a big boy. Yeah. I could drink this whole thing and then fall asleep. And this is a cold brew too, so it's like extra caffeine. You drink this whole thing and then just go right to bed, no problem. I I admire that. Um, (laughs) I was telling Chris the other day because I took a nap not too long, like before we recorded, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to bed tonight. So (laughs) if I drink that, I would definitely not go to bed. You'd be up for a couple days. Not a couple of days. I making myself sound super old right now. It's just sad. I mean, no, but maybe. who's the old one? Because I've spent so much time drinking coffee that now it just literally doesn't have an effect on me at all. I feel like that makes me older. Well, I believe in quarantine. I just don't really rely on caffeine as much. When I was in the office working, getting up at normal hours, and going to bed late, and everything else, like yeah, no, I lean on it. But let's jump. So let's jump ship here and. um <laughs> I'm sure, as you know, at this point, the Cavs did land the fifth pick for the second year in a row, even with the best possible odds again. I mean, it doesn't feel as bad as losing out on Zion like last year, but how do you feel about the Cavs picking fifth this year? Okay, so number one, I'm always in my emotions about everything. So mm-hmm. when that happened, like going into that lottery, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a feeling. I have a feeling in my gut we're going to get the number one pick. And then it never occurred to me that I could possibly be wrong about this. So then once the the Cavs popped up at five, I'm like, are you kidding me? How does this happen two years in a row? Like just deja vu. And last year I was very upset. Um, And it wasn't, you know, Zion is Zion. He's a freak of nature. But the person that I really, really, really wanted last year was RJ Barrett, which he didn't even want to come here, but that's not the point. So I had my heart set on him and then immediately like crushed, whatever. But this year, you know, after I got over the initial disappointment of not having the number one pick, and Evan, let's just be honest here. There was no real reason to have the number one pick. I just wanted it. (laughs) And I was very upset when we didn't get it. Um, But once I, I realized that, okay, like there's not much of like a, 
a drop off, you know, like five is probably okay. You look at the people involved. And I told you before we started recording that I haven't done a whole lot of research on who I might want the cast to go with. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know all that much about the guys in this draft because one of the things that I relied on pretty heavily was like in the past was March Madness. So you'd see all these college kids and what they had to offer and who stood out and blah, blah, blah. Like, I didn't know who John Morant was until March Madness. But then, you know, mm-hmm. you saw him and I was like, wow, this kid's really good, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I'm, I was disappointed initially, but after I took some time to be logical about it, I guess I'm okay with five. It's whatever. No, I think that's just that indifference is kind of a good feeling to have because especially for you the Cavs can't draft someone like a LaMelo ball to really take away the shine of your guy Colin Sexton so I mean there's a silver lining there isn't there yeah that is literally the only person I did not want I I said I don't want I don't want any of them the ball fit like just stay away from yeah stay away from my precious team didn't want him so hopefully like you know he's off the board not a temptation I'm good no that's good and I guess just talk looking focusing on the bigger picture here with the Cavs in general. They're a team that has made it clear at this point. They've made it clear to me and Chris as well and plenty of other folks in the media that they have playoff ambitions. Mm. Do you really think this is entirely realistic for this squad? I mean next year eh, I'd say at least like two more years. What's the point even if they did say they were good enough next year to go to the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's like a seven or eight seed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point? Yeah. I kind of think they're in a position where it's going to be another couple of years just because, I mean, you're still so young. You have Garland and Sexton and KPJ, and I. they're still developing. They're still trying to figure everything out, and, you know, they're – even their own positions, there's so much switching and I don't know. I'd, I'd say that's kind of far-fetched. What do you think? I, get that. I think it's entirely unrealistic, but I think the Cavs are transitioning towards being a team that is a bottom feeder in rebuilding because we had, first off, you should talk to your fellow Blue Wire co-worker Justin Rowan on, you know, sowing the seeds of ambition because people are going to think this Cavs seems a playoff team if he sees it. <laughs> But, um, no, he was on the other day, and we were talking about or yesterday's episode, because this is coming out Wednesday. Um, and he and I were talking about the fact that when J.B. Biggerstaff took over, the Cavs seemed like they were on pace to be like a 30-ish win team, which in the Eastern Conference is playoff ha- pa- pa- possible. But I don't know. I just think it's a little unrealistic. So I think the Cavs are going to be a team that tries their hardest to make the playoffs next year. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to make it and fall just short of it, which, which is okay. You want to try and not make losing the norm in this organization. And especially with these younger guys, because Colin Sexton seems like the only one who's like determined to turn the ship around and the other guys are still trying to find their footing. So I'm okay with the Cavs having that mentality, but I don't think it's entirely realistic at all. You know? See, I really appreciate that Colin Sexton comment. I don't think Chris would have given me that comment. (laughs) I think Chris and I being, (laughs) almost six months at this point removed from the Cavs. Um, They are coming back, I believe in mid or late September. So they'll be back for a little bit, which is nice, but we've gotten the vibe that the Cavs view Colin as the next guy to be the leader and culture setter for the locker room. And um, 
I could see it happening because he's just a workout warrior. And I had very low expectations of Colin coming out of Alabama. Mm -hmm. And then he had a really good rookie season, but I was still tempering my expectations, but he surprised me in every single way and surprised me in every single way. So <laughs> I've completely bought it. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking your language, you, are. you know, I used to be a huge Sexton critic and I'm just like, <laughs> I like him. It's it, it, he's grown on me. And maybe it's again, because I've been removed from this team for so long that I don't watch them on a night to night basis. <laughs> But it's one of the things I do, that's for sure. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Question, though. Sure. Who did you want them to take in the 2018 draft? Well, before Shea Gilgis-Alexander told Cleveland not to draft them, mm. that was my pick. Um, or him, not them. Because Shea has really blossomed into a young star for Oklahoma City, and I really like what he brings to the table, and I think it's a lot of fun. But... Yeah, it felt like Colin was the pick after he was in there to work out the day after they were swept in the NBA Finals, which was mm -hmm. rough to see. And I was secretly hoping Wendell Carter Jr. was going to fall to them, but Chicago nabbed him up. And then when they took Sexton, I was just like, okay, this is the guy that's going to succeed the succeed Kyrie Irving as the point guard of the future. And like the pressure was on, and I don't know. And he wore his number too. That was a real. That was a real. That was a real. Uh, like calling a shot kind of thing. Like I raised my eyebrow and let me ask you this: Do you think it was okay for the Cavs to give Colin Kyrie's old number? Because I feel like that was a little like a. I don't know. I just felt weird to give Kyrie that kind of treatment because yeah, he left the franchise on bad terms mm -hmm. not too long before that. But I just think that feels so disrespectful for a guy who is so critical to the team winning a title. Like you could make Colin wear twelve or some other form of two on his jersey but not 22 obviously but there's other options too so like it felt a little disrespectful to me i know that this is probably an unpopular opinion but of course i have it with Kyrie, i feel like i mean and really anyone now that i think about it once they're gone like i can appreciate what they did and everything that they gave and you know i do with Kyrie, but he's not here anymore so, mm -hmm. and it's not just that he's not here, but he's sort of, ever since he left, he's been very sort of disrespectful towards Cleveland and the fan. Like, I don't, he, there was a period of time where he just wouldn't show up, you know, to play the Cavs and, you know, all these, yeah. I don't know if he had load management or whatever they call it and, you know, injuries, he didn't want to come. And it just seems like he doesn't want anything to do with the Cavs. Like he wants that time to just sort of be forgotten. So, you know, when Colin Sexton came in, he's like, Hey, I want to wear number two. I have no problem with that. Like that doesn't bother me. Cause I'm just like, okay, I care about the players that are here right now. Um, granted, it's not a championship team. It's not, you know, 2016, 2017. These guys are all young and you're watching them develop and it's not as exciting, but there are guys. So, you know, that's what I care about. I just care about the people that are on the team right now. So, no, I don't care about what number he's wearing. If somewhere down the line, you know, they're obviously going to try to retire Kyrie's number. Um, I don't hope so. Do you think that he'd actually show up to like a ceremony or anything for that? See, I don't know because after hearing stories and reading a lot of books about that 2016 squad, like, the relationship with the Irving family and the Cavaliers was pretty bad as is. Mm -hmm. Kyrie didn't make it any easier. So 
I feel like he would show up because maybe he's going to grow up a little bit once he try and learns how to win on his own and he's going to do it with Kevin Durant maybe, but I don't know. Maybe he's much, a, a bit more of an adult at that point. Maybe the Cavs try to mend fences like they do with all the players they burn bridges with. So <laughs> I really don't, I don't really know. It's, it's weird. And I get where you're coming from, but do you feel like, let me ask you this. And do you think LeBron's an exception to that rule? Like if a player, Asked to wear 23, do you think the Cavs should let them do it? Or just do they politely like, kindly tell them, no, 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 you, you pick a different jersey? I feel like LeBron is an exception. Like, okay. he's he's forever. Yeah, like, I know Z got the same treatment because when Kyrie was drafted by the Cavs, he wanted to wear 11, and the Cavs told him, no, we're planning on retiring 11 someday. So, just an interesting fact. But I, yeah. I get what you're saying, and maybe because the bridges were so burnt to the ground at that point. And like Kyrie was thumbing his nose every chance he got at Cleveland. Yeah. I get it. But yeah, maybe a few men fences. And at that point, maybe Colin is the one who gets his number two retired. Just, you know, the buttery up a little bit more here. <laughs> Question. Wow. When do you think Drew Gooden will get his number retired in Cleveland? <laughs> I know Drew Gooden's your guy, but I'll be honest <laughs> with you. His number is already such a rare NBA number to begin with, but I think it's, um, it's never going to really be put back in the rotation because I know it's like above a certain threshold. You have to have like a very specific reason. Like when Baron Davis came to Cleveland and he chose 85, uh-huh. he had to give a very specific reason. I think it was his old, it was his street number where on the street he grew up on. So like, okay, yeah, you can have it, but like you need to have, they, like they make you give reason. a specific reason for that. If it's above a certain digit, I think it's be above 59. I want to say because it's like Ooh. traditional numbers or whatever, but I don't know the exact rule, but like, there's just weird stuff I learned from looking up like odd numbers. Like, you know, Drew Gooden, I don't think he's ever going to get retired because <laughs> then you start bringing up the argument. Cause like the Celtics retire every Jersey and the Cavs don't have the legacy of the Celtics. So I don't know if you can retire every Jersey, but if you want to have the floor for a second to make the case, why Drew Gooden deserves his Jersey retired, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> Listen, I don't really have a case. It's just one of those things that I want. <laughs> I yeah, was that's fair. It's like it's like the first pick. Yes. I was talking to uh my boyfriend the other night and of course in 2020 we're discussing Drew Gooden regularly. And he was like, Do you even know how many teams he's played on? And I tried I tried to name all of them. And like without looking them up or just on memory and you know, teams and I only got like half of them. I didn't even know that he played for some of these teams. Like I it's because I got Cleveland, um, Memphis, Orlando, uh, Washington, San Antonio, and then That's I don't got a rap sheet. Yeah, but then there's there's like probably three or four more I think that I had no idea. There's like yeah, there's Dallas, Dallas, or and Orlando with two different jerseys. He wore nine and zero for Orlando, and then he was with Chicago, Sacramento. Um, the Clippers, the Bucks, and then the Wizards, which I remember his Wizards Wizard days because mm-hmm. he was playing the Cavs a lot. And I'm like, oh, Drew Gooden's still in the league. Good for him. Yes. That's, that's what I thought when I saw him. <laughs> but um, to jump back to the current Cavs, do you think this, like, y- you cover all Cleveland sports on your show. Mm-hmm. And there is a clear hierarchy when it comes to things. Like, Cleveland will always be a Brownstown. And I feel like the Indians are the second most popular team just because there's a lot of older generations that support the tribe and Mm -hmm. then they teach their kids who teach their kids and so on. And then the Cavs are a bit of a fresh face and 
I feel like they kind of go back into relevancy when LeBron leaves town or when LeBron isn't in town. And I guess as someone who covers all three teams, do you feel like the Cavs making this kind of playoff noise is them trying to maintain relevancy in this city? Because if the Browns are as good as I hope they are this year, and I know their secondary is getting absolutely destroyed in camp right now. Um, it's going to be tough for the Cavs to really regain footing and say like, Hey, I remember 2016. So I feel like if they just keep saying wacky stuff like this, they're going to try and maintain some rel- rel- semblance of relevancy. Right. Yeah. I think number one, people love Kevin love. Okay. So that just never goes away. And, and he has like this faction of fans that are just very passionate and very loyal. A lot of them are women, actually. <laughs> well, my, my mom is one of them. She, she told me once, and she's been married to my dad for 30 years, said, if Kevin Love asked me out, I'd leave your father in a heartbeat. And my dad's just like, my dad just like shrugged. He's like, I know. What a queen. I love yeah. her. Um, so, yeah, you have that going for them. Um, beyond that, like, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, but it's kind of funny. Uh, we got so spoiled with the LeBron James era, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, how you do? How do you top that? You know, and then he leaves, and you're left with I want the ruins of LeBron James, and you have all these young guys, and now you have to rely on the draft, and it's hard to get people excited for something when they've had the best. Um, so unless they're just very into basketball, or they have you know, a love for a specific player on the Cavs, I'd say it's fair to say that the Cavs are now, you know, third on the totem pole for popularity. Um, I do try my best every season to get people more excited and on board for this team. Bless your heart. Yes. Um, And it's because I feel like they need the most love. You know, Mm -hmm. like you said, the Browns, everyone was just always going to love the Browns. And then the Indians – don't get me started on the Indians, but I don't agree with this order. I would put the – I'd say my personal order would probably be, oh, the Browns and Cavs are so close. I don't know. See, that's what that's what my personal order would be. But yeah, I, outside of – like, I consider us diehards upon diehards. And I was talking with this with people who are diehards as well. And I'm like, yeah, no, if I brought this up with, like, a casual fan of, like, Cleveland sports, they're like, oh, yeah, the Cavs suck. Like, that's, that's yes. like, the consensus answer I get. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, they always suck when LeBron's out here. And I'm like, yeah, but they're still young and promising. That's it. But you got to try to sell them on the fact that they're watching something develop. And you're, you're watching this yeah. young team grow. And there is something very exciting about that if you just let it happen. But, you know, people – they got so used to just winning and having, you know, LeBron James. And that's, a, that's an impossible act to follow, honestly. Mm-hmm. So you just have to look for reasons to get excited. And if it's young, that's, I always try to pitch the young development angle. I'm like, guys, we're watching something special. Now, I don't know if it'll actually mm-hmm. pan out to be something special, but when I'm trying to get people excited, that's what I always say. I think that's a good way to go about it. Yeah. And it's refreshing to hear it. Like, people dog on locked on cast are being too critical of the calf sometimes. So I think having you and Justin back to back is going to get us in good graces with <laughs> people again, because I like this overwhelming positivity, but yeah, no, this is a fun calf squad and the young piece that is probably the most exciting. And again, it's just, it's Colin Sexton time. Um, I don't, have you been watching a lot of the bubble playoffs? I haven't. The only, <laughs> I like when it originally started back up, I watched, um, 
since now that the playoffs are here, um, I only watch the Heat. That's it. That's my team in the playoffs because obviously I love Jimmy Butler. Um, so yeah, I just watched the Heat. You know, congrats to them. First playoff or first round champions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I like no, that. I haven't been watching much of the bubble, unfortunately. No, I I get that. It's I somebody asked me it the other day. They're like, "Have you been paying much attention?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, I get up for the Lakers because I want to watch LeBron mm-hmm. succeed, and then they're fun. And then I like watching Denver play because they have a lot of fun pieces. But I'm like, it's really tough for me to pay attention because it's not the Cavs. But yeah, my question is for you: How as like how validated would you feel? as like the one of the biggest advocates for Colin Sexton that he puts up just insane numbers in his playoff debut because I feel like Colin's the type of player who's built so differently that he'd be so torqued for his playoff debut that he would shoot a zillion times, but he'd put up some like ama- insane stat number and what is probably going to be a lot. Like I equate it to like Donovan Mitchell dropping 50 plus <laughs> and it lost to the Nuggets. Like I could see Colin having a game like that. And like, would you feel validated even if they lost, if he had a huge game like that? I felt validated when he blocked Zion's or no, when he dunked on Zion. So yeah, yeah if he put up giant numbers <laughs> in a playoff game, I might just like combust. I don't know that I'd even be here after that. The littlest, any time, any kind of little thing that he does, I blow it way out of proportion and, you know, tweet it out and I'm real dramatic about it. So yes, if he actually when like when uh, they named him to, uh, what was the all-star? What was that? Rising stars. You know, when they originally snubbed him, I made a huge deal out of that. But then once they eventually named him, I was like, uh, guys, I was right all along. (laughs) There you go. Yes. I felt like you and I are on the same wavelength because he was showing that he did belong in that game. Mm-hmm. And no, I, I, I think I blame you. I think I blame you for making me into a sex and truther, but wow. I don't, I don't mind it at this point. You got to get but, excited about something. Although, you know, you I was thinking today, cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to go on this Cavs show. I got to think about things to say about the Cavs. And as much as I love Colin Sexton, I think probably the player I'm most, most excited for, like in the future to see him develop would be uh, KPJ. I'm oh, yeah. really, really looking forward to that. Me too. He, um, we were talking about him on Monday. He has a propensity to foul, which is expected for a young guy, mm-hmm. but the Cavs hold him in such high regard. And I, cheaply wrote in Forbes. I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is like the Cavs like bargain contract because he took a discount to play for his rookie season. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's prorated towards the end. So he still gets paid the same amount over the four years, but either way, no, like KPJ uh, feels like a huge win for this team because he had a bunch of concerns. He fell in the draft. The Cavs had him rated as a top 10 prospect, but you know, had other priorities at that time at 26 with Dylan Windler, but Mm -hmm. you know, KPJ is super exciting and, I'm excited to see where he goes. And I think him and Colin will be integral parts to this team going forward. And I hope Darius can catch up with them as well, but he had an up and down rookie year mm-hmm. and Dylan as well. But no, this is a, this is a fun team. And like you said, a lot to get excited over. Yes. See, Evan, you get it. This is why I love coming on your guys' show. Well, we love having <laughs> you and you're always a friend of the pod and you're always welcome, but we got, we do have to talk 
about the other Cleveland team. Speaking of playoffs, and we're not talking about the Indians because it seems like a sore subject, but the Browns are only a few weeks away from being back. Mm-hmm. And since you are one of the major Cleveland sports voices, how do you feel? I mean, they had pretty high ambitions last year, and they crashed and burned in spectacular fashion. Sure. How do you feel about the Browns' chances this year? Um, so, I, to me, the reason why the past – last year specifically, but then you can go back a couple years before last year. The reason why they struggled so terribly, even last year when they had the pieces, you know, they had the talent to, to do a lot better than they did – but there was always uh, this power struggle and it came from, you know, ownership down to GM and then GM and the head coach. And it started with Hugh Jackson and you had, I call them football guys and nerds, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, John Dorsey, obviously big football guy. And then Freddie Kitchens, big football guy. But then you had a nerd behind the scenes running the show and he was sort of like the middleman between Dorsey and Haslam and you never really knew who was running the team. Um, it always seemed, there seemed to be a disconnect that lived all the time. Um, and when you have that power struggle, it's hard to get everyone on the same page. It's hard to, to do well. It's hard to be successful like that. I think mm-hmm. now that they have what I call football nerds, they're all football nerds running the show now. So yeah. everyone is finally on the same page. And when they hired Kevin Stefanski, I was like, he was my guy going in. And people thought, oh, just because you think he's hot. No, that's, I mean, I do, no. but that's, <laughs> that's not Again, it. You, you and my mom have similar sports tastes. Oh, she she's loves like, him too? Stefans- yeah, she's like, he's cute. And I'm like, he's a good coach. She's like, I don't care, he's cute. And I'm like, all right. No, but, you know, I looked at what he did, his body of work in Minnesota. And, you know, he learned under mm-hmm. Gary Kubiak and, he had similar pieces there that I said, okay, like this seems like an offense that could be run successfully in Cleveland. So, you know, from the beginning, I was like, this is my guy. So they hired him. And then once they brought in Andrew Barry, I was like, we're fine. They're finally all on the same page. This is it. Like they got smart guys running the show. Now this is finally going to be a successful year. Now that, you know, COVID happens and guys had to miss all kinds of time with, camps and it really sort of messed up everything and you're seeing these guys get injured a lot um Mm. and you know i don't know how it's going to shake out from from here uh another thing that hurts is there's no uh, preseason games that's all been canceled so you know these guys fighting for jobs they normally would have been able to do these past month they can't do that um so everything's just i i was excited but then you don't really plan for a pandemic so yeah. I don't know how everything's going to shake out. This is going to be a weird year, I think. Um, my expectations are a little bit lower now than they were probably, how long has the pandemic been going on? Like five months? Hey, yeah. I remember when I told somebody, this is going to be over in like a month or two tops. And here we are. <laughs> it just won't five go away. Months, five, six months later and there's no end in sight. Oh, it's just lingering. But yeah, like yep. th- my expectations are a little bit lower now just because, you know, everything's so unpredictable. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything anymore. I know nothing, Evan. Why am I even here? <laughs> yeah, that's we're gonna get really deep and philosophical here and just the closing moments of locked on kids it's gonna be locked on philosophy for, maybe that should be our new angle because with the draft getting delayed and free agency being delayed for the nba like 
we need some new topics maybe like we'll just have a philosophy episode every week there you go each other see this is what happens or... when uh your co-host isn't here yeah chris you're editing the audio and i know you're listening <laughs> through all this but you joked yesterday and you forgot to introduce me and you just started chatting with justin like it was nothing maybe Brittany and i will just go and make our own <laughs> podcast and then you and justin can have loc there you go but i at this point, I think you guys know that Chris and I both and everyone on the Lockdown Network loves Built Bar. And it makes sense. They are always have been and always will be the best tasting protein bar ever. But now, Built Bar is back and even more delicious than before. They have, of course, the 12 classic original flavors such as coconut almond, German chocolate, peanut butter, mint brownie, double chocolate, orange, and even peanut butter brownie. But they also have six new amazing flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Personally, I loved the cherry barcia because one, appreciate a great food pun, and two, it just tastes delicious and you can't go wrong with a Bilt Bar. Bilt Bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy or gal, and they help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And the other great thing is Bilt Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They're great for people who are trying out the keto diet, and as someone who's type 1 diabetic, the low-sugar and low-net-carb factor that comes with Bilt Bar just makes it an even better sweet treat for me as a type 1 diabetic. If you order today, you can get a free cool of the purchase while supplies last. So in order to do so, go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BiltBar.com. Hey guys, Evan here again, and I want to tell you about a new website that Chris and I love that just launched on August 1st called OhioVersusEveryone.com. The site covers all sports and pop culture. They have in-depth, interesting articles about the Cavs, Browns, Indians, Buckeyes, and even more. Speaking of the Cavs and Ohio versus Everyone, one of my favorite articles that they've done recently is where they discuss how they should focus on the best available prospect rather than need in the draft, which, you know, is true for a team like the Cavs. It's all your favorite teams, all in one site, and because they cover all the teams, they can only bring you the best, most interesting topics. Check them out. Again, it's OhioVersusEveryone.com. That's Ohio vs. Everyone.com. I think that's a fair assessment for the Browns. I think that's a fair assessment for the NFL as a whole. I, there's a lot of rookies that are struggling right now. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about um, Jordan Love with the Packers where he was drafted as a quarterback of the future, but he's like a distant third option for them right I now. I can't and believe like, they did that still. Oh, no. When Aaron Rodgers said he downed, I think, a bottle of tequila, he said, I'm like, I feel it, man. And my buddy's a Packers fan, and he's just like, they traded up to get a receiver, and they drafted a quarterback, uh-huh. and he was – side himself but I, I think Stefanski is a, the, was the right hire I feel like they, it's who they should have gone with initially but John Dorsey went with mm-hmm. Baker's guy and Freddie Kitchens is and clearly it didn't work but I think that's a good idea but I don't know it's gonna be a weird year for the Browns I think they are a playoff team I don't think they're gonna be winning the division because Baltimore has a ton of continuity going into this year, mm-hmm. just with Lamar Jackson and everybody else, and they've just added a lot of pieces. And Cincinnati's going to be good, too, I think. Cincinnati's, yeah, Cincinnati would be a lot better than people think, yeah. but I think Cleveland's a step above them. And until Ben Roethlisberger actually retires, he won't stop decimating AFC North teams just at the most inopportune times. So I still will give Pittsburgh the respect they do deserve as well, but I, I could see Cleveland sticking in as a wildcard team or maybe just like a high wild card team because there's three wild card picks this year so yeah i think a lot of it's going to depend on how lamar does because 
you know, yeah. obviously, like, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. Everyone knows oh, that. So am I. Yeah. And everyone is quick to point out he turns into a pumpkin in the playoff two years in a row. I'm like, <laughs> I like, just get so angry every time I, I know. bring it up. Because I'm like, he's so good. I know. But you just wait. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. Lamar Jackson is very good. But for how long is he going to be very, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I don't, I don't know how long that'll last. Again, I know nothing, Evan. So that's that's fair. Don't even listen that's to me. That's fair. <laughs> hey, no, I trust you for sports takes because, again, you don't just root for Kevin Stefanski. Like it, it, it's such a it, it makes me mad on your behalf that people just think like, oh, you just like him because he's hot. Like, no, he's a good football coach, and like I I trust your takes, and I think you're perfectly like all the stuff you've said so far is just always valid and you give solid optimistic outlooks on things which is refreshing well thank you people need more of that no absolutely and i had a pun here and i'm trying to work in but how has baker looked so far in camp or should we start making a case for case keenum to start because he is a lot more familiar with stefanski's offense Mm -hmm. and i don't know i feel like this is the do or die year for Baker because if he looks bad again, I think the Browns are going to be looking just the, this team, this organization feels like they aren't going to be patient enough for him to figure it out. Yeah. No. Um, so one of the things I talked about on our show last week was I don't get too involved in training camps. Like, you know, I, I know they're broadcast live and I could tune in anytime to watch them, but I won't. And the same reason why I don't, I try not to go on Twitter as much like when I know they're practicing because you get all these updates and it's like a flood of mostly critiques. So today I guess was a horrendous day for the offense. Everything just looked terrible. Um, Apparently Baker was throwing bad. Everyone was missing passes. Like it was just a a disaster. Um, but I think you're right. Uh, this is this is going to be a very, very important year for Baker Mayfield. Um, but for the same reasons why I'm so hopeful that, you know, Stefanski and Barry were the right guys. Baker has, I mean, his first coach was Hugh Jackson, right? And then it was Freddie Kitchens. And obviously I'm not a player, but I look at those two men compared to what we have now. And I think what we have now in Stefanski and the staff that he's, you know, brought on is that Baker mm-hmm. has someone that's not a, you know, Freddie Jack or Freddie, Freddie Jackson. Whoops. <laughs> hey, you could combine right? the two at this point. They're both I think bad. with Hugh, he didn't respect him because I mean, Hugh Jackson, he's just kind of hard to respect to me. I don't know. Yeah. But then, Freddie, I think Freddie Kitchens came in on hard knocks telling Baker congrats. You won the backup job was the perfect screenshot of the relationship and why they didn't like each other. I still like, that's so cringy even now to think about that. Oh, it is. But then, you know, you had Freddie Kitchens who was more like, Oh, Hey, you know, buddy, pal, let's sit here and like scream. That wasn't, you know, he needed someone that he could sort of look up to, I think. And I, I hope that Kevin mm-hmm. Fancy is that guy. I, th- I believe in my heart that he is. Um, and I think he's, he's focused on bringing out the very best in Baker Mayfield. Uh, that's mm-hmm. priority number one, I think, to him. So I do think this, this is a big year for Baker. He's got a, and he showed up looking great, by the way. He cut out all kinds of well, – all kinds of – but he cut out – the weight that everyone was complaining about last year that I thought was ridiculous, but 
um, showed up looking great, feeling great. So hopefully, you know, we see a new and improved Baker Mayfield, which I would predict that we will. I think that is a fair assessment because I think Stefanski's system won't let Baker fail in spectacular fashion like um, Freddie's. Like Freddie went for the home run every single play last year. And I feel like Stefanski is, you know, he's a football nerd, like you said. So he's going to take a more calculated approach to it. Mm -hmm. And I think Baker is definitely the right quarterback for it. But before we wrap up all this football talk, I have to ask you just like, you and I, I feel like both don't know a lot going into the season because of so many uncertainties. But if you had to make a Super Bowl pick right now, who would you be your pick for the AFC, the NFC, and who do you think wins it all? Hmm. I mean, I I can never go against Patrick Mahomes. He's just so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I. Honestly, you know, I could just watch him play for the rest of my life. Just him. Watch mm-hmm. him on a loop for the rest of my life and be totally happy because some of the things he does, you're just like, how, how is this even possible? How is this person human? Um, so, repeat? I don't know. Yeah. That would be my I prediction. I think, that's, I think that's a fair pick. I'm going Chiefs-Saints because, I don't know, I, one of these years, mm. my faith in Drew Brees is going to be validated. <laughs> if, if this is the year the Saints pull it off somehow and they upset the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and Drew Brees retires on top. It gives, it gives hope for shorter guys, guys who under slightly under six foot like myself that uh, can feel validated by having somebody win a Super Bowl. Also, Jameis Winston. Boo. There you go. Yeah. Not a fan. I'm not a fan <laughs> either, but hopefully he can get a fresh start in New Orleans and then fleece a team like Teddy Bridge. And I'm a Teddy Bridgewater guy, uh-huh. but he can fleece a team in free agency next year. But that's going to do it for Brittany and I today. Before we go, Brittany, why don't you plug anything you've been working on? I know you guys are about to go live and at about we're recording this on a Tuesday night. So you're about to go live in an hour. So mm-hmm. just plug anything you're working on and tell everyone where they can find you on social and everything. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at bird's eye view. Um, every Tuesday, me and my friends, Bree and Meredith, we have our own Cleveland sports show called that's what B said. Uh, we live stream on Tuesday nights and then the episode comes out on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, whatever on Wednesday mornings. So that's where you can find me. Everyone, please give Brittany a follow and support all of her work. It's well worth your time. Like she, like your, your sports takes and your constant optimism, especially when it comes to Colin sex that I think did have a big part on changing our narrative on the show, but that's also going to do it for today's episode. No. Yeah. Yay. And that's going to do today for today's episode of locked on Cavs. And as always wear a mask and go Cavs. And also it's important for me to share that you please register to vote as soon as you can for this upcoming election in November. Every vote counts, especially yours. And it can make the difference in shaping this country for the better. All right.